0: Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Lara, a traveler and teacher with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plates and on our minds. <laughs> We've been out of touch, out of practice. We both like took a breath and I was like, wait, are you saying it? Didn't want to steal your thunder. But it's a nice sunny, windy, cold day in April. It looks gorgeous outside, but it's but it, freezing. It's basically winter. Yeah, we're almost there. We've had a few beautiful days. It feels like like the hopefulness of spring is near. Yeah, it is near. It is near. It's it's close. Yeah. But yeah, we both have off today yes. for the Easter holiday. So this is a Friday afternoon for us. We're having pizza and spritz. Yeah. Like we're in Italy, y'all. It's gonna be a good night. An American Italian style pizza. Can't wait to get into it. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. So yeah, we're you're gonna hear some wonderful ASMR live cooking um action in this episode. Yeah. All the highs and lows that comes with cooking. Which we I don't think we've really done that before. Not really. We've made um we've made cocktails bad. but never never like an actual like dish yeah so yeah so you guys will have to let us know how how you feel about this format cause... i kind of think we need a video with it of all the <laughs> bloopers that are sure to come right? so yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway yeah it should be fun i'm really excited for this episode should awesome we get to salty sweet yeah can I start? Sure. My suite is I'm vaccinated. Yes. <laughs> so I feel extremely fortunate. Um, teachers were bumped up in Pennsylvania, um, and we were exclusively given the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine by um, the IUs in our area, which is, of course, like educational buildings. And it was super systematic and organized. It ran like a well-organized machine. And... Let me tell you, the amount of hope it just gives me to know that I will not have horrible symptoms of COVID if I were to catch it, or I will not pass it on at all, now that the CDC has said, essentially, as long as, yeah, if you're vaccinated, you're very unlikely to pass it on. That's good. It is so amazing to know that soon I'll be able to hug my parents. Yeah. yeah. So that's really nice. Um, And as more and more people we know are getting vaccinated, it's just been like a little sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. It's not done. It's not over. But it's been something that's really made me feel more hopeful right now because, you know, it's hard to know what what to do and what's next and how long is this going to go on. But I feel like really hopeful. So that's been really great. And hopefully... Things will progress. They say now that by the end of May, Mm -hmm. everyone will have access to get their vaccine in Pennsylvania. So hopefully that goes according to plan. they just announced that as of, like, April 19th, everyone's eligible, which means I can finally sign up to get one. Yay! My mom has been hounding me, and I'm like, Mom, I'm not eligible. I (laughs) was like, Mom, I am bottom of the barrel. I am going to be the last person to to get a vaccine. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's... It's definitely something because I'm a teacher, I feel like I get early access. Hope is near, so it's very exciting. Yeah. So that's my sweet. My salty is really stupid, um, <laughs> but I feel like it's kind of relatable. So, you know, with the pandemic, we've been spending more time at home. Loungewear has become essential. Mm-hmm. Well, I basically, <laughs> I basically realized the other day that I have, sure, like, I have, like, your leggings and, like, crew neck sweater situation down. But I have, like, literally the ugliest pajamas in the entire (laughs) world. Uh I'm telling you, there are holes. There is pillage. Uh I look like a gray cloud descending upon this earth. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, my God. I am, like, my loungewear slash pajama game is so disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like, I look like a grease ball. Uh huh. And it's unacceptable when I could literally go to Target and buy $20 of like cute uh-huh. sweatpants. But something in my brain is just like, not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. Nope. Even you though I wear that more than anything else oh, in your wardrobe. Oh, I absolutely do. I literally yeah. come home and immediately change into like these disgusting, yeah. pilled, holy gray sweatpants. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. If anyone's ever looked at themselves in the mirror wearing their loungewear and just been like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I feel you, you are understood. And I just realized I like, I literally and it's not fun to look in the mirror and be like, ew. Right. <laughs> So it is such Ew. a stupid salty this week. Like last time we were getting into like body image and like all sorts of like deep. No, right now it's just I need to upgrade my loungewear situation in the in a really bad way. Yeah, like it is. Like God forbid if I'm invited to a cabin or like mm-hmm. a beach house with friends or th- anyone else besides Luke at this point, because <laughs> I, I would not want to be seen wearing what I have been wearing. Like. That's not okay. So, yeah. anyway, such a stupid thing, but my loungewear situation is literally atrocious. So, it's funny. I need to step it up. Okay. Well, I have something that is a salty sweet, and that is combined. Yeah. Okay. Is that I've been wearing my contacts again. Hey. Which is great. Like, I honestly, I've been able to wear my contacts more frequently and more comfortably than I have been able to in like a year and a half. So, like, that's amazing. Definitely progress. But it's still not perfect. Like, even today, I put them in this morning, and I just took them out right before we started recording. And it was, like, the first week I was wearing them, and I kind of had to ease back in because my eyes have gotten used to not wearing contacts. So I had to, like, wear them for a couple hours a day. But overall, they were doing, like, pretty well, and I'm, I was still using this prescription ointment for my eye, um, and that seemed to be helping. But then by, like, the second week, my eyes, basically every day, I had to take them out by, like, noon. Mm. And it was just kind of this all-over, like, low-grade inflammation, like, irritation. So definitely something still is up. I'm still working with my doctor on figuring it out. So basically, I'm, like, really excited that I can at least wear them a little bit. Yeah. And also, the first day that I wore them for a whole day was also the day I got my hair cut. And I was like, I feel like a new woman. (laughs) I was like, Hot Girl Summer is right around the corner. You're like, Here we go. (laughs) So that's exciting. But, oh, my God, it's such a bummer that I just wish it could just be like, yep. I'm wearing my contacts now. Yeah. (laughs) Life is good. Life is back to normal. But of course, life is not back to normal in any sense of the word. Um, And I still can't just wear contacts like a normal person who wears contact lenses like I did for 20 years of my life. So crazy. And like, especially officially as of today, I have a strong sneaking suspicion that this might all tie back to when I switched to a new concealer, under eye concealer, and pressed powder. What? And I actually checked because I had recommended it on the podcast. So I actually checked today to see when I recommended it. Yeah, the timeline lines up perfectly. <gasps> and so, like, and at first I was like, "No, it can't be makeup because no during it quarantine I didn't wear makeup and my eyes still had the problem." But I kind of know now that like whatever. However, this started, it then like caused inflammation. It was kind of like this chain reaction. And so it's possible that it like started this series of events that just kind of stuck around until I was able to get rid of it. And also like this ointment I'm using right now, I'm just putting it on like the outside of my eye, which is kind of where That's my concealer, where your goes. concealer goes. And especially the fact that I use pressed powder there, which I never used to do before. Dude. And I have sensitive eyes. So I'm like, oh my God, what if that actually caused it? I've still been using it this whole time. So are you going to change? Oh, absolutely. Like tomorrow I'm going to (laughs) be Googling like concealer for sensitive eyes. Like it is time to switch it up. I need to see if this helps in any way. That's so crazy. And like this morning I had them in for maybe like an hour or two when I was just like working out and stuff. And then I thought about it while I was putting my makeup on. So then I've just been paranoid ever since. I'm like, okay, is my eye more irritated now just because I've been wearing them for a few hours now? Or is it because I just put my makeup on? Like, oh no. Dude. <laughs> yeah. You have to change it and see if it does anything. Mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Also, guys, let me know if you have like a favorite under eye concealer that is also good for sensitive eyes that's like not full of junk, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a thing. And And then it can be so hard to, like, find one that matches all that criteria, but then actually works as concealer. Because you could get a very clean, green (laughs) concealer, Mm -hmm. but it could also look horrible. Yeah. Or, like, wear off after three hours, you know. Do you... I have a question about makeup for you. Okay. When you go to, like, wherever do you get your makeup, do you just... Do you always do a test swap? Like, do you always do it on your hand? For something like concealer to match color? Yeah. Absolutely. And are, do you, like, generally, are you good at guessing, like, your makeup shade? Um, you mean, like, based on the swabs or just by looking just at like the looking, containers? Just, like, looking. You could, like, guess-ish what you'd be between. Sometimes. It depends on the brand and how many variations they have. See, for me... Are you bad at this? I'm so good. Oh, you're good? Really? I always get the lightest shade. Oh, that's all you have to do. (laughs) (laughs) I literally just have to say, what is the bottom of the spectrum? (laughs) That's me. Yeah, I'm close. I'm usually the lightest or like one above it. I think once, like one summer, I was able to bump up one notch to like fair beige. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And that felt like a moment. (laughs) Well, it's like the It Cosmetics one that I've been using I'm oh, just yeah. light beige or some stupid yeah. crap. I'm fair. Yeah, <laughs> fair, yeah. fair. I'm all fair. I'm usually fair. In fact, like sometimes I'm not fair enough. Mm-hmm. Like they are too dark and I am still too pale. Yeah. So. Oh, women—the things uh, we do. I hope you can come, t- come to. Maybe it is something like that, and that'll be sort of solve your issues. Yeah, it may take a while for your eyes, to, like flush out all the whatever. It's the only like by. mystery to this is why is it only really affecting my left eye? But then again, like bodies are dumb, <laughs> you know. I don't like, but. You know? Subtitle of this episode, <laughs> Bodies Are Dumb. Bodies are so dumb. Bodies are dumb. Stop <laughs> treating it like it's something special. Right. <laughs> like, they're so smart and amazing, but sometimes you're like, really, dude? Yeah. Why are you affecting my one eye just because I use some makeup on my face, you know? Ugh, Hopefully it's time to switch it up. something simple like that. Who knows? I thought of you, though, because I almost bought a pair of fashion glasses. <laughs> I'm over here trying to not wear my glasses, and Laura's like... I'm like... an excuse to buy glasses? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But it's all about choice, though. It is. It's all about <laughs> yeah, choice. Yeah, if you could choose to wear your glasses, you'd wear them whenever you want. Right. Well, you always want what you can't have. Yeah. So there you go. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. We're talking about Detroit-style pizza. Okay, so I will preface this by saying, Sarah did all the research, all the legwork for this. I'm just here to learn. (laughs) So I'm very excited. Okay. Well, all right. I want to start off this discussion with, like, obviously I know stuff about Detroit pizza now, but, like, before today, before this moment, like, do we know anything about Detroit-style pizza? <laughs> I know that I've had it once from Pizza Hut in was- your kitchen, and it was not very good. Yeah. And I also am confused about Chicago-style versus Detroit-style, because they're both Midwestern, mm-hmm. and I know that Chicago is, like, layered differently, but it's mm-hmm. they're both thick crust-ish, and... I I basically have seen a Detroit-style pizza, and I've tasted a very um, standardized version of it from Pizza Hut. <laughs> which so, was awful. Which was not very good. Not the best place to start. But I don't start. know anything besides that. Okay. Yeah, before my research, I would say I think I vaguely knew that Detroit-style was, like, rectangular. Yeah. Kind of thick crust baked in a pan. Yeah. Rectangular, for sure. But that was crust. kind of, like, all I knew. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't know any single thing about it. Okay, well, Detroit style is definitely different from Chicago. Okay, I think from what I do know of Chicago deep dish, it is more like, um, like an actual pie. Okay, where like there's picture filling of a pie. That's kind of how like the sauce and toppings are in a Chicago style. Which I could be wrong. And there's probably more than one kind of Chicago style. But I think when you say deep dish right. Chicago, right. That's what it is. Okay. More or less. This is more like a um, like what we would think of as a Sicilian pizza. Yeah, because here in Pennsylvania, I don't know if it's the same elsewhere, but we call like a thick crust pizza a Sicilian style. Mm-hmm. Which I don't even know if that's really accurate. Like, I'm sure there mm. are some Sicilian cities that make a thicker dough, but like. Uh-huh. Sicily is a big old island I don't know anyway so yeah but that's what we call a thick crust pizza it's a Sicilian style Mm -hmm. okay okay which I think we kind of get into down below so we'll talk about that okay but I want to start off with the history of like how did this even come about because obviously especially in America like all of our pizza styles come from like Italian immigrants and then the way it evolves and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that's how basically any style of cuisine kind of You know, evolves. Especially here in the States. But yeah. So how this happened is in nineteen forty six, a bar owner named Gus Guerra, which I looked up the Italian pronunciation, I'm pretty sure it's Guerra. Yeah. And his wife Anna threw a batch of her mother's Sicilian dough. So that's where we get that Sicilian. Into a blue steel pan, which like this pan is the kind of thing that was originally used to carry auto parts. Which also, I'm like, where are you carrying these parts around to? I love Does, that. Doesn't that seem weird? Oh, yeah. We just have these pans like that tray. we use to carry auto parts. Like, what are you doing with these auto are parts? Are you serving up auto parts? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Or And, like, is it, like, this is where you keep all of your wrenches? Or is it, like, this here's all my nuts tools and for the day and I need to carry them over to my workspace? Like, what? That's what I really have <laughs> questions about. I just love this industrious man decided... <laughs>
1: Well, this his is, wife.
0: Oh, his wife was deciding, this is going to be my pizza pan. <laughs> right. I hope they cleaned it really well. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> happens if there's oil or grease on it? That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they threw this, like, the mother-in-law's Sicilian dough into this blue seal pan and baked it with cheese and sauce. And apparently it turned out very well. So then they opened a restaurant called Buddy's, which has been serving this Detroit-style pizza ever since. Amazing. So, Buddies is, like, the OG. Like, if you ever do any research on the history... In Detroit. It seems like Buddies is, you know, this is definitely where it came from. Is it still in operation? Yeah. So, but Gus did sell Buddies to his partners and opened his own place called Cloverleaf, which is in the Detroit suburb of East Point. And that is Mm -hmm. still... They have, like, several locations. I think there are several Buddies and several Cloverleafs now. Road trip to Detroit? (laughs) Seriously. And then there's this guy named Sean Randazzo, which is so, gotta like, love, fancy. Gotta love it. I know. He worked at Cloverleaf, which is Gus's newer restaurant, yeah. for 16 years. But then he decided to open his own place called Detroit Pizza Company. So there he put his own little spin on the Detroit style but he was named the World Champion Pizza Maker of the Year at the 2012 International Pizza Challenge. Hey. So he. So definitely... obviously he's got it going on, and they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So this is all, like, very – like, all these pizza places that are still well-known in Detroit for making this style all kind of came from, like, the same line of people working together. Right. Because then there's another famous place called Louis Pizza – Founded by a longtime chef at Buddy's, which okay. is the original spot. Right. Named Louis Tortois. Yeah, that's French. I don't know. <laughs> it almost looks like tortoise, but yeah, it's tortoise? not. Yeah, it looks like Tortois. Yeah. But his place is cool because apparently there are hundreds of empty Chianti bottles that hang from the ceiling. Sick. Yeah. So you can imagine <laughs> the ambiance at that place. So it all comes back to Buddies, the original restaurant Buddies, which later, it's still still in operation, but then there's also like these Mm -hmm. spinoffs that sort of come from that, including Cloverleaf that the original guy made. Yeah, so it's like Gus had Buddies, and then he opened Cloverleaf, and then this guy who worked at Cloverleaf opened his own place, and And a guy who worked at Buddies Buddies opened his own place. So it's like a big old family tree of pizzerias. Yeah. And also, fun fact, Domino's. And Little Caesars were both founded in Detroit. You know, I was actually going to say, our thick crust pizza that was recommended from Sarah Kiefer... From the Little Caesars. From Little Caesars was was, really good. Yeah. And that is a true, like,
1: thicker, deep deep
0: dish style that Mm -hmm. I kind of think Detroit style might be like. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I thought of that too. I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense that Little Caesars deep dish was really good. And also, if you think about Domino's, like... Um, Just their, like, crust style and the fact that they also have, um, like, pan pizzas now. Right. Kind of seems like it makes sense. Do you think a Detroit style is similar to a pan pizza? It's just done in a square shape? Or is a pan pizza something different? Um, I would say, wait, how do I say this? Okay. Not all pan pizzas are Detroit style, but all Detroit style are pan pan pizzas. pizzas. Okay. I get it. Okay, yeah, because we'll okay. get into more details that make the Detroit style different. Okay, I see that you have that. The pan is key down here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to jump ahead. I just had a question. <laughs> okay. No peeking. No spoilies. Okay. <laughs> no spoilies. <laughs> so on a Detroit style, the crust is known for being like crisp and golden on the bottom with a fried texture that it gets from the fat from the cheese that drips down the sides of the pan. I'm already hungry. Right? I'm so excited to eat this later. I am already hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, yeah, what you said, the pan is key. So picture this old blue steel pan that used to carry auto parts, okay? Which is nuts. Right? I still can't get over that. And, yeah, so now, like, I ordered a Detroit-style pizza pan from Amazon, which we'll obviously link to. And, and I will say – I think if you're going to go for it, it's going to be worth the investment alone mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the way you described just just a second ago that, like, the cheese and everything uh-huh. melts down, the way that it's angled, yeah, it would make sense that everything gets all crispy and delicious. Yeah. So, like, in a pinch, you can totally use, like, a normal 9x13 cake pan. Yeah. But the Detroit-style pan is – I think it's a slightly different size. I think it's a 10x14 instead of 9x13. But – I think the sides are a little higher. Yeah. But also the sides go out at an angle. Yeah. And there's something about this construction of this pan that makes like the cheese which you put all the way to the edge when you're constructing the pizza, you don't like yeah. leave a crust like you do with other styles. It goes all the way to the edge and then the fat from the cheese goes around the edges, and goes down and basically fries the crust. And that angle is good because it can all get all the way down to the bottom. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just, like, stay. And it's probably easier to cut, right? Well, and then the other thing is, too, you're supposed to lift the whole pizza out of the pan to then cut it on something else. So it also probably makes it easier to, like, it'll kind of pull away from the sides. And then you just stick a spatula under there, lift it out put on your cutting board and slice it up. I am so excited to eat this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And also, it's, like, apparently closer to the, like, thickness and darkness of a cast-iron skillet than a cake pan. Mm -hmm. So it is a slightly different construction, which affects the, like, browning of the crust and all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, you should buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we'll confirm later. (laughs) Um, Also, the edges around the top – gets super dark, like, basically black, where the cheese and the crust, like, meet the pan. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it doesn't taste burnt. Like, okay. I've seen, like, pictures and stuff. It straight up looks black around yeah. the edges. So I'll be interested to see if ours does this. But apparently, it, it just tastes amazing. So we'll see. Down to try. And so the pans traditionally come in two sizes, or the pizzas, I guess. An 8x10, which is 4 slices, or a 10x14, which is 8 slices. Right. Okay. So the crust is also a little different. Serious Eats describes the crumb of the crust as chewy with a medium-fine bubble structure. Not so rustic as, say, a focaccia, but not quite as soft and fluffy as a New York-style Sicilian slice. Okay. So it is a little different. Okay. And by the way, we will link to my sources where I got all this information so you guys can read a little bit more about it. Yeah. And the Eater article I looked at says its closest cousin is probably Sicilian sfincione, which is a spongy focaccia. Baked in a rectangular pan with toppings ah, pressed directly into the dough and topped with olive oil and tomato sauce. I've seen this. So, Detroit style dough is light and porous, but not chewy like a New York style pie. Okay. So, I did a blog post about focaccia and like the amount of variations on focaccia are crazy. But this style of Sicilian focaccia I've actually mm-hmm. seen and it looks like, it looks like like what? pizza? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I, like, based on, you know, your blog post that you recently posted, which we'll link to. Yeah. Um, Mine is not, like, a pillowy. Yeah, yours was, it's like, totally crispy. different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they describe the dough. And, okay, the thing that really makes this, too, is the cheese. Okay, yeah. And we have to tell the cheese saga now. <laughs> yeah, the cheese. Okay. So this is traditionally made with what is called with Wisconsin brick cheese. You heard that right, brick brick cheese. cheese, which was on one of our favorite pizzas in the Old Forge Feast of St. Pizza. Okay, like, we asked the the lady who was making all of them um, like about it, and she was like, "Yeah, it has brick cheese." And we were all like, "What brick the heck?" Che- is I remember brick that. Cheese? Yeah, yeah. So, um, the Serious Eats article, which by the way, we are following the Serious Eats recipe yes. later. Yes, okay. for making this. The the brick cheese is really also key. You've got the pan. You've got the slightly different dough structure. You've got this cheese. Yes. Which it's kind of described as like almost cheddary or something. But like it has a distinct flavor and it's high in fat. Okay. And that's why whenever it melts mm-hmm. down, it yeah. makes like this buttery, crispy. Yeah. Like- it has this like butter fat that literally melts out of it. Mm. Fries the mm. dough, and that's what gives the the crust a buttery flavor. Like, there's no butter in the crust. Why does the descriptor "butter fat" make me so happy? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a good word. It's a good descriptor. Butter fat, yeah. Um, so the cheese saga is that we tried our hardest to get some of this cheese locally. Yeah, we were like, let's buy local. Yeah, Laura was calling her cheese lady. I have a cheese hookup. (laughs) Unfortunately, we could not get our hands on it there. Yeah, Whole Foods was not coming through for us. So we had to do the fallback move, which is order it from Amazon. Which, you know, you got to do what you got to do when it comes to pizza. So, So, yeah. So I ordered the cheese from Amazon, and it was supposed to be here in time. And then it wasn't. (laughs) And today, it was, like, at the local FedEx facility, but not out for delivery yet as of this morning. So I called them, and I was like, can I just come pick it up from you? Yeah. And some lady from, like, the 800 number at FedEx said, yeah, you can just go pick it up there today. And you're like, great. I'm like, I'll be okay, there. cool. I'll do that. So I drive there, and I get there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here to pick up this package. And she's like, oh, it's out on the delivery vehicle. And then apparently the guy could have delivered it, but he didn't because he had a note to hold it because I'm coming in for it. They're like, why would you hold it in your van? Hold it in the facility. Yeah. So apparently I was talking to this 800 number person basically when my thing was getting like put on a delivery vehicle. <laughs> he was passing by your house as yeah. it happened. So then I had to drive back home to get this cheese. I, so I essentially drove like an hour and a half. To get cheese that was delivered to my house, yep. And then I came here, so I, I drove around for hours. So Sarah can now be called Jesus. <laughs> I'm yeah. She has saved our souls
1: for, oh. in
0: in the effort of having a real authentic. Yeah, because I was like, we could sub, we could sub. Yeah, apparently you can kind of do a sub of like a mixture of mozzarella and jack cheese but Sarah was like no No. we are committing yeah listen we got to commit to the bit if we're making this pizza it's got to be brick cheese yeah and then especially today I was like I ordered this cheese it's in the vicinity I'm not making this pizza without this cheese I'll meet you at any block sir yeah I was about to like meet this FedEx guy on a (laughs) random corner to get this cheese but thankfully it got to my house, and so did I. And now we're here. And, and we Sarah have deserves it. a good old drink when this is done. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know if I would have committed that hard, honey, but <laughs> I'm happy you did. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the cheese, like I said, is you layer it all the way to the edges of the pan. Yes. So important. Because you need to that You need that butter fat to drizzle off the edge. <laughs> yeah. All right. So another fat. distinct marker of Detroit style, is it has this, like, sweet tomato sauce with garlic and spices that goes on top, like, on top of the cheese. Right. And it's often applied in, like, heavy parallel bands, which was how the Pizza Hut one looked. That is true. So if you can picture, like, the most generic version of this, See, that's the Pizza Hut one. I mentioned on Feast of St. Pizza, um, Ocean City that I got beef with pizza that doesn't have an even coat of sauce. Mm-hmm. Speaking specifically of Manco and mango pizza. <laughs> and I'm going to stand firm in saying mm-hmm. that as of right now, I don't think that we should have stripes of sauce on a piece of pizza. Well, we're going to do it today. And yeah, and I will say I am open-minded, <laughs> but not on a traditional mom and pop style mm-hmm. pizza. Is Agreed. that acceptable? Agreed. I think it might be a whole different experience on this. Yeah. Which we will discover later. And I've also had pizza like by the cut in Rome that's sort of like you got a blob of tomato sauce and you got like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's fine. So, like, I'm open minded, but I do want to stand firm in my beliefs that I don't believe a mom and pop style pizza should have just drizzles of tomato sauce anywhere at once. Right. Yeah. No. Anyway, sorry for that side note. That's fine. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) apparently, it's sometimes called a Detroit red top. Oh. And the reason that the sauce is on top is to avoid a soggy crust. I can appreciate that. Yeah, which I mean, honestly, nobody wants a soggy crust. That's the so, worst. yeah, you know, yeah. Pepperoni is the most common topping. Sometimes it's on top, but also sometimes it's underneath the cheese. So they're oh. really going completely off the wall with their How are we construction. Do it? I think the Serious Eats recipe we follow has you put some. On the bottom and some on top. Okay, I was going to say. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. I do think yeah. that, like, here's the deal. Pizza is not one and the same. And it's traditionally very similar ingredients, but it are, it is the little things. Like, for example, going the extra effort in getting the brick cheese, taking the time to actually make this sweet tomato sauce or Detroit Red Top, that will really make a difference. Because if you just buy, like, a marinara sauce... Mm-hmm. It's not going to have the same quality right. as making it yourself. Mm-hmm. And sure, like, in a pinch, make whatever style pizza you want. But if you actually want a tr- like to really mm-hmm. go for it, in most um, Italian-American and Italian recipes, like, it's the little things like that that make it, like, from 90% to 110, baby. So True. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's totally common for people to eat this with a knife and fork, at least when it first comes out, when it's piping hot. Mm-hmm. Which... I'm fully on board with. I'm a knife and forker all the way. You are. I love a knife and fork on pizza, and especially if it's like a thick Sicilian crust like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cuz it's almost like it's like eating like cake or something. Yeah. Totally. And it can be messy, and yeah, it's like you don't want to bite into it and like burn the roof of your mouth. Like it, it needs to be enjoyable, and for me sometimes that requires a knife and a fork. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to say no boo to that. Heck yeah. So, like I mentioned, we are making the recipe from Sirius EACH, which, I mean, um, what's his name? Kenji? Yeah. J. Kenji Lopez. Yeah. He can do no wrong. Yeah. And we will link to his articles and stuff. But he, like, tested every inch of this recipe to get yes. it as authentic as he could. So that is why we are making his recipe. Yes. We trust him. Yeah, but I wanted to link to a couple other ones. There's a recipe for Detroit style on the blog, A Cozy Kitchen, and she uses a 9 by 13 pan. So if you want something that you can just, like, throw together, you're not ordering cheese from Amazon or buying a special pan, that could be a great place to start. Also, the recipe from Joy the Baker, and there's also one from King Arthur Baking Company. King Arthur is another, like... They're legit. Yeah, legit. I mean, so is Joy the Baker and Cookie yeah. Kitchen. Like, these are all great choices, for right. sure. And I think all three of those ones just call for a 9 by 13 pan. But if you want to go that extra mile and get this pan, I'm mm. sure those recipes would be taken up a notch. Love it. So, and we will link to the resources that I use to get the history and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, from here, we're going to take you through our journey of actually making this pizza in Lara's kitchen. Little ASMR action. Yeah, so hopefully it goes smoothly. (laughs) As of recording this right now, the dough is resting. Yeah, Um, that was you know a little hairy as well, but so yeah, we're gonna make this recipe, and you're gonna hear all about it. So here we go. (laughs) So we are making the dough. We need 300 grams of bread flour. All right, that's good. we got the flour, so now we need 5 grams of instant yeast, which is roughly one teaspoon. There we go. There we go. Awesome. We need 9 grams of salt. We're using diamond crystal kosher salt. The best. Which Laura has. How many pounds of salt is in that container? Laura has, like, the kind of container that's meant to hold, like, a full thing of flour, like a big bag of flour, and it is just full of kosher salt. I can can explain myself. Um, Don't ask questions. This is what we do in pandemic times. All right, so Sarah's adding our 9 grams of salt. And then we're going to add our water. So we need 220 grams of water. Let's get some ASMR. Here we go. Whisk, whisk. You love? Okay, okay. All right, should I do the water? Old, um, my old (laughs) homemade cooking video I made with my best friend Abby in, like, third grade. I said, you gotta mix, mix, mix. Throwback. Uh, Abby. That's a nabby joke, yeah. All right, water is coming in next. Also, you just got to point out that cooking in grams is the best. It is. It's the only way. Like we just have this bowl on a kitchen scale. You just pour your ingredients right in. It's just wham bam, thank you ma'am. It's the only way to live if you're especially when baking. When whenever there's like flour and water involved. <gasps> Did you put too much in? Oh no! <laughs> Lara! Oh shoot! Alright, hold on. Wait, can you pour some out? Yeah. Wait, take it out with like a spoon, yeah. maybe? Oh my gosh, guys. We've already hit disaster. I'm sorry. Lara went over by like 30 grams. Oh my god. Between this and the cheese. Oh, <laughs>
1: Laura got overzealous with her pour. <laughs>
0: okay, that's that's fine. That's fine. Oh my gosh, guys. Oh. Where are we at here? Yeah, mix on low speed until dough comes together into a rough ball. Okay. It's so a low speed. How long does this go? Okay, so basically we let after it gets to this point, we let it rest for ten, and then we knead it for like ten more. Yeah. Okay. God bless the KitchenAid. Seriously, we're just here watching it work. <laughs> okay, we're getting a shaggy dough. Yeah, we're getting. Let this be a lesson. Let this be a lesson that there are no mistakes in cooking that you can't recover from. I mean, maybe there's a few. There are some. This is not one of them. (laughs) This looks good. Okay. All right. I think we can shut it off now. So now we let it rest for 10 minutes. Let her chill. Now it's time to mix this baby again on medium-low speed until it forms a smooth, silky ball. Okay. Yeah. Do you see it? Do you smell that yeastiness? Yeah. (laughs) I do like that smell. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like brewery smell. Oh yeah, I love it. So it's like sticking to the bottom, but it says it's supposed to do that. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay, cuz that was I was like, "Should I scrape that?" It said it should stick to the bottom, but not to the sides. And that's what it's doing. Okay, well. So things are looking good so far. It's got this like arm flailing about though. And then it like kind of refines itself and yeah. then it goes back. <laughs> All right, we're back. <laughs> We had to troubleshoot some problems. Sarah, explain what we had to do. Okay, so the dough was just seeming way too wet, which we did add, what, like five grams too much water. So we've slowly been adding more flour to this dough until it seems like it's the right consistency, and we're getting close. Yeah, the next part of the recipe is we have to make it into a tight ball. It's okay. Usually, pizza dough is fine if it's like kind of shaggy and sticky oh, when you right. get to this point. We're not making French pastries here. All right, I think. All right. Think that's good. We're going to cover this and let it rest for two hours until it's doubled in size. On to the sauce. Okay. All right. Ooh, um, should we preheat the oven for the pizza? Yeah. Well, also, less- it's still, it still has a half an hour to rise. Yeah. Ooh, that probably is. I mean, once we get the sauce going, we can probably. Sweet. Look at that. Look at that. Nice. Uh, all right. So we added two tablespoons of olive oil in a medium saucepan until it shimmers. It's almost there. Dibbery. Shimmery to me. All right. Now we need to add minced garlic, oregano, pepper flakes, and cook stirring until fragrant about 30 seconds. Add tomatoes, garlic powder, onion powder, and sugar it's funny because my mom used to always add sugar to tomato sauce and i thought that was really weird but apparently it's not well i'm sure it helps to like balance things out like oh, yeah. it's not like we're not like making it sweet like it's a freaking dessert sauce but Just same way you add food. you add salt oh, to right? something ASMR? okay ready so garlic garlic oh But yeah, so the same way you would add salt to help bring out other flavors and balance it, sugar can do the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, add that little pinch of sugar. Like no one's no one's gonna yell at you for it. No. Sometimes we people get a little out of control if they're anti-sugar stuff. Yeah. Although this is also me talking about sugar, yeah, so we know Sarah how I feel. Sugar, but it's okay. Cool. Okay, tomatoes. Oh, also, I think this recipe for sauce makes enough for two pizzas, so we're only going to oh, use nice. half of this. Put some in the freezer or something. Right. And then we need the sugar, too. Cool. So we're going to bring this to a simmer and cook until reduced to about three cups, which should take about 30 minutes. Okay. Moving on to the dough again. So now's where we... Spread the dough out in the pan. So it says to pour a couple tablespoons of olive oil in the bottom of our fancy Detroit-style pizza pan. So transfer the dough to the pan and turn it to coat in the oil. And then we're going to press down on the dough and spread it toward the edges. Since you won't be able to get it all the way to the edges, but spread it as much as you can without tearing And then cover it tightly in plastic and set aside for 30 minutes to allow the dough to relax. Oh boy. Oh gosh. That is. We need like a bench scraper thingy. There you go. go. All right. Okay. So, like, flop it around a little to get it oily so that you don't stick to it as much. Oh my gosh. I think actually, if you get your hands wet, I think that helps to keep it from sticking. Yeah, there you go. Right, okay, then right. just start pressing it out to the edges. And this is how a lot of dough is. You'll see that you try to stretch it, and it just, like, yes. stretches back in on itself, and that's when you have to let it relax. So we're going to push it as Screamy much as we dough. can right now, but then you let it relax, and then when you come back to it, you should be able to stretch it, it out more. Mm mm-hmm. how focaccia this too. Yeah. It does kind of look like focaccia dough, especially with Similar, your little yeah. fingerprints going in there. Oh. oh, hi, Vinny. say that again? <laughs> oh, thank you. Good job. We've been waiting for one of those. Wow. You're not allowed on that dough. No, he won't come up. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Anything else to your fans, Vin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's going to awesome. Okay, right. so we're going to cover it with plastic wrap. Let that rest for 30 minutes. We've got this sauce bubbling away, All right. and then we'll be back. All right, so we're going to try stretching this dough out a little more. All right, I think we should let it rest for like another 10 minutes. Yeah, but it's definitely getting there. It's almost at the edges. I think if we let it rest one more time. All right. All right, let's the dough again. Let's see what, we, what we're working on. Oh, look like. at that. Ooh, I think we're good here. That's, that's mighty nice. (laughs) Now it's staying. We made the sauce. Um, So now what we're going to do is going to press down on dough with our fingertips to remove any large air bubbles. Lay half of the pepperoni, if using, which we are, evenly over face of dough. Then we're going to top it with cheese. So pepperonis, then cheese. So we need to chop up the pepperoni and the cheese. Yeah, we need to chop up pepperoni and cheese. And then, um, yeah, we want to make sure the cheese is all the way to the very edges of the pan. And then we'll spoon the sauce over it. So basically, air bubbles, layer half pepperoni, then top with cheese all the way to the edges, and then we'll put some rows of sauce. The pepperoni we're cutting by hand because apparently if you get... Pre cut pepperoni, it can be too thin and might burn with this pizza. Okay. So, we got the kind that's like still in the casing. Also, when we cut this cheese, we need to try it straight up, see what this cheese is all about. This high butter fat cheese. Luke, take the mic. Give us commentary. <laughs> no, now you don't want to talk? No. <laughs> <laughs> They were
1: like, look at this brick cheese, brick cheese, and I was sort of dumbfounded, and I said, I don't even think that Bon Appetit had this cheese for their Detroit style, and they were like, they didn't. I was like, well, I guess you're more more official than they are, and they're like, we are. I was like, okay, good. Is that your impersonation? That's your impression. In unison, yeah, in unison.
0: All right, we're back again. We were just having a conversation about what is Jack cheese because the sub for this brick cheese is half low-fat mozzarella, half Jack cheese. So here's the question. Who's Jack? Who's Jack? What is Jack cheese? Because we know Colby Jack. We know Cheddar Cheddar Jack. Jack. We know Pepper Jack. But who's plain Jack? Who's Jack? Is it? Does it exist? Or when they say Jack, do they mean one of those specific is a jack, Jacks? A specific type of cheese, or is it just like you throw it in with whatever other type of cheese? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen just Jack cheese. I don't know, but I really am excited to try this.
1: So. The first hit on Google is simply that Monterey Jack, sometimes some shortened to Jack. is an American white semi-hard cheese made using cow's milk.
0: So Jack is a Monterey. Is it? But what about Colby Jack? What's Colby Jack?
1: Let me read you more on this little (laughs) paragraph from Wikipedia. (laughs) It is noted for its mild flavor and slight sweetness. In addition to being eaten by itself, it is frequently marbled with Colby to produce Colby Jack or with yellow cheddar to produce Cheddar
0: Jack. (laughs) Okay, so... Monterey Jack is the OG Jack. That's the original. Oh, okay.
1: That makes sense. Six months. It tastes kind of like a uh, mozzarella with a little bit of like a jack cheese. No, <laughs> flavor.
0: It's super mild. Super mild. Like, I would not I don't think this tastes
1: like a cheddar to me. It just tastes like mozzarella, but it has the Mm -hmm. texture of a spongy
0: cheddar. Yeah, it's definitely not the same texture as mozzarella. Yeah. But
1: it tastes like it tastes like mozzarella. It's just got yeah, it cuts off. It has that density
0: of a mozzarella. You know? Mm Hmm. Hmm. How should I chop this cheese? It is very mild. Oh um, that's the other thing with this pizza. The cheese is supposed to be in, like, cubes. Okay. Um, cut into half-inch cubes. And we the oven is preheated, so we're ready to roll there. Yeah, lay half of the pepperoni evenly over the face of the dough, and then top of the cheese, spreading it evenly all the way to the very edges of the pan. Then add the remaining pepperoni. All right, so sauce wait no n- the rest of the pepperoni now right okay oh the sauce goes on top yeah the sauce yeah goes on top. Wow. i'm trying to pick a thinner slice all right one. all right Ooh. sauce okay hold on remember we're only using half of that sauce okay spoon the sauce over the surface in three even rows going across this thing looks legit to me okay all right i think right. it's time for the oven let me double check our instructions all right. We're going to bake until the edges are black and bubbly and exposed cheese on top is starting to lightly brown 12 to 15 minutes. Okay. it's go time. Okay. Okay. This timer is about to go off. It's been about 10 minutes. We're gonna, Dude, we can smell the butter fat. It, smells so good. it really does. It smells like the way I think of the pizza pan. Uh, or the Pizza Hut pan pizza crust, like that—that that feeling. That's what it smells like right now. It smells heavenly. It really does. It's that butter fat mixed with the crust. Yeah, absolutely. ASMR. <laughs> oh, thank you. We're providing some light. That is not done yet. No, no, no. Back she goes. Okay, back in. Let's set it for another like three minutes. Yep, at least. Oh. Okay, time to check this again. Ready, round two. All right. Ooh, we're getting a little we're getting brown crispier, on top. but not oh my quite burnt. Still not ready. <laughs> I think we can give it. We it's wait. Pull that into the light a little more. We gotta see those edges. They're getting there. Ooh, they're getting pretty dark. Maybe like one minute. Yeah, maybe like one more minute. A burnt edge. Yeah. That looks pretty good. Look at that. Yeah. See how the edges uh, are like look black. At that Ooh, I think we're done. I think we can call it. Done. Okay, calling it. Okay, taking it out. This is so um, much. This is so much better than that pizza hut one. It's kind of falling apart in these pieces of like, I've got the dough that has a little bit of cheese on it, but then I have this chunky piece of pepperoni off to the side that I pull up with, you know, the other bite, and then I'm like picking up some sauce. It's kind of like all these little elements that got baked get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, you can totally see, like, in the Midwest, someone wanting this, like, Mm -hmm. on a cold day. Mm -hmm.
1: Also, even though this sauce, to me, is kind of sweet, I feel like it fits this Mm -hmm. pizza, especially if you're going for that charred side. Like, if you put this type of sauce on a Neapolitan-style pizza, it would be completely out of place. It Mm -hmm. wouldn't work, but it's an American pizza. (laughs) Yeah. And it fits that kind
0: of feel. It also balances out all that pepperoni. This is sort of really mild, but... With the pepperoni, with the sweet sauce, like, it's almost like a secondary ingredient that is important to the overall thing.
1: The crust mm-hmm. reminds me of, like, kind of a typical canned pizza from mm-hmm. Pizza Hut, brand. it's got that mm-hmm. to
0: it. it I will say this right now. This is better than Pizza Hut's uh-huh. Detroit style uh, yeah. by tenfold. Yeah. J-Z. But how does it compare to... Other pizza that we eat how do how like where would you guys rank this at home pizza Detroit style is a lot better than anything we would get here in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. from a restaurant I haven't ever seen a Detroit style pizza sold have you I've seen Chicago style but even that's not the same as this right and this is definitely slightly different than a Sicilian pizza we would get here yeah definitely, because Sicilian is definitely thicker the focus yeah. is more on the bread. Mm-hmm. This is like an overall concoction. This does, like, toppings-wise, this has a lot going on. With it does. All that pepperoni, a lot of cheese, a good amount of sauce. Yeah. Yeah. i was say it's very filling. It's yeah, very I like had one slice and I'm yeah. full. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. I I think the brick cheese was worth the trip. I mean, it better be. It's, it it trends, better yeah. be. <laughs> I think yeah. it was worth it. I guess so. So there you go. All right. I mean, I would make it again. All right. All right, well, there you have success. it. Success. I'm full. This was tasty. I'm ready for more. Go in. More spritzes. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks right. for coming along for this journey. Yes. As always. <laughs> Okay, so we have a very pizza style pizza or pizza focused episode, today. yeah, so we're staying true to our brand <laughs> with our pizza, yeah. so um James Lombardo sent us an email, which I can't wait to talk about, so <laughs> um, okay, he says. We all know about pineapple, but what are your thoughts on anchovies on pizza? Often a not-so-popular choice, but I like it, and my in-laws often have them on the table whenever we order pizza. Okay. So we know you love anchovies on pizza. I love anchovies, period. <laughs> there is nothing like an anchovy on a pizza. It adds a salty, like, zippiness to it. I am team anchovy. Okay. Okay. I didn't really like knowingly or willingly eat anchovies until like a year ago. hmm But I like them. Oh, they're so, so good. I'm pretty sure I've never had them on a pizza. At least not any time in the like last 20 years yeah. or something. Like, not to have an opinion on it. So like I need to I need to try it. Yeah. Because I, I think, you think do. I'll like it. I think you do. I would say, like, if you're unsure about an anchovy, I think the thing <laughs> Growing up in the '90s, I think we were given a lot of like in cartoons and TV shows, like like, a lot of anti anchovy propaganda. Absolutely, like I think those shows were like, "ew, anchovies on pizza, ew, black olives on pizza, ew." And I get it; like a kid probably wouldn't like an anchovy on their cheese pizza. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, we can we can refine our palate, okay? Yeah. And in addition to that, I would recommend don't take like a whole. Like, don't take a whole anchovy and just slap Mm -hmm. it on there if you're a beginner. (laughs) Yeah, so how do you normally put it on a pizza? Well, if you ask for anchovies on pizza, they'll oftentimes just have them, like, thinly, like, you know, Uh like, sprinkled on. Okay. Like like whole fillets or kind of sliced? I think they're, like, whole fillets. Okay. But if you have, like, on the side, like, if you have, like, a pizza and you just want to add some on, I would say, like, just, like, dice it up, mush it up with a fork Uh and add a little bit. I think it's really umami whenever you uh-huh. add it to a tomato sauce. So right. it's it's definitely stronger on the palate when you taste it like right on top of a pizza. Mm. And it is a very strong flavor, but I don't know. I'm team anchovy, you know? Yeah. It's 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 the same pungency as having pineapple on pizza. It's just with a more Different. like salty, yeah. seafoody sort of thing. Right. So I think it's really good. Also, I'm another fan of um putting like Like, I love any sort of weird seafood-y thing on it. Like, I'll have clams on my pizza. Like, I am (laughs) so down for, like, anything like that. Uh Uh-huh. So. Okay. Well, maybe we should have anchovies on pizza one episode. Yeah, we'll have to – we should test – we should taste test it. Yeah. But I already know I'm a fan, so. I'm glad that your in-laws have them on the table whenever you order pizza. Like, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. You know I've how never you heard of that. You know, you go to a pizza shop and you get like oregano and shaky mm-hmm. cheese. We call it shaky cheese. Shaky cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the worst mozzarella y- or, or parmesan. Parmesan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they had anchovies well, as an option. That's fun. Yeah. Well, should we get to our bonus Girl oh Scout my God, cookie I'm so content? so excited. Oh my God. Okay. So, as a reminder, we did our Girl Scout cookie episode and we determined that we wait. Yeah. Little Brownie Bakers was the one that we had had. Yeah, and then Graylin called in and said Little Brownie Bakers is the best, in her opinion. Yes, so remind the the listeners how we got our hands on these. (laughs) So we had talked about how we really wanted to try two of the same cookie from the two different bakers side by side. Right. So my coworker told me that she ordered a ton and included some from both bakeries. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, can you please get me a couple of each one, like, in one
1: Like, What's the other brand?
0: It's Little Brownie Bakers and... And um, ABC Bakers? Yes, okay. Or something? So my coworker came through for me hardcore, and she brought us... The s'mores kind. Which I did not like the s'mores from the Little Brownie Bakers. So So this is a little different because the bakeries have completely different s'mores cookies. They're both s'mores, but they're totally different beasts. Yeah. Even just by appearance. The Little Brownie Bakers one is like a sandwich cookie where the cookie part is like the graham cracker. Uh And then it's got the like chocolate marshmallow in the middle. So it's constructed like a real s'mores. Right. The other one is like this big square that's coated in chocolate. Yeah. So the like graham cracker marshmallow part is in the center. And the chocolate is all the way around. Yeah. So these were in my freezer, so hopefully they didn't get really like weird. Um but yeah to recap, Laura hated this cookie <laughs> to begin with.
1: I'm so. excited
0: though. Okay. I need to hand each I of think us one of I these. think next year we should Do the work and get get some of each. Yeah, get some of each and do it side by side because this was a big hit. Everyone really had the strong opinions about Girl Scout cookies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so should we do the tried and true, the one we had before? Yeah, little brownie bakers, s'mores, graham cracker crust on the outside. Here we go. Nope, I still don't like it. I still like it. That fake marshmallow taste. No. Like, it's not my favorite Girl Scout cookie, but when these were hanging out in my office for that week, (laughs) I was going at them. I would say I would never choose this ever on a Girl Scout cookie order. (laughs) Ever. Yeah. All right. So let's try the... It is ABC Bakers, It's ABC Bakers, yeah. Okay. Chocolate covered. Here we go. Where's the marshmallow? Maybe that's why it's better. <laughs> it is mostly graham This is like a graham cracker cookie. With chocolate. And I like it for that. I... I think this sandwich cookie one has more s'mores energy. Yeah. They really went for it. But, like, I like this one. This is a better cookie. This dunked in coffee... Forget about it. Although I will say, the coating of chocolate around it is like the worst grade chocolate. Mm-hmm. It is nothing to speak about, but... But I do appreciate the amount of chocolate on this. Yeah. And there is a thin little coating of what I think might be a marshmallow flavoring. Yeah, at the top. It is the thinnest... It is barely a trace. It's a whisper of a coating. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Yeah. I'll 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 say it though, I like it a lot better than the I don't know if I necessarily like it better than the other one. I think it's just for me it's just different. I just don't like that big marshmallow taste. Mm-hmm. mm Yeah. Alright, well, okay, we see. I do think we should do a side by side next year. Yeah. Mm. I think we should. Well um, cool. I finished it, so it must have been pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, recommendations? Yes. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, my recommendation is the pair of jeans I have on right now. Oh, okay. Which you can't really see because I have a blanket over them. But I heard Gen Z's reckoning. <laughs> I knew it all along in my heart. It happened in 2019. But skinny jeans are not cool anymore. <laughs> well, skinny jeans are fine. Mm-hmm. But everyone should try a straight leg. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Just try a straight leg. If it's not for you, move on. I'm down with the straight leg. Yeah. I'm just saying, don't think that skinny jeans are your only option these days. Right. You know, Gen Z versus millennial Mm -hmm. beef can be done. Who cares? I will say that's a good point, though. I like that there are lots of different jean styles in fashion right now. Right now, like, there's flares. There's wide leg. There's, like, high – and I still love that they're high-waisted. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, all I'm saying is these jeans are straight leg – they are the perfect amount – because right now I feel like jeans are the, like, very starchy jeans. Like, the non-stretch mm-hmm. jeans are very popular. Mm-hmm. And because they do suck you in, they are, like, very, like, sturdy. And they're not that, like, super thin mm-hmm. jegging style. Well, that was always my beef with the sh- um skinny jeans is they were often yeah. too stretchy. yeah. And they'd stretch out and they'd, mm-hmm. like, get weird. Yeah. Um, so all I'm saying is give it a try. If you are interested in a beginner straight leg jean, mm-hmm. these are where I would recommend. My recommendation is Old Navy's OG straight ankle jean. Okay. We will link them. Um, They have, like, a variety of different rinses and washes, but this is, like, a very, like, medium rinse, no holes, nothing crazy. It's the perfect point of my waist that it reaches. It's high-waisted. It doesn't gap in the back, which I really like. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, got that sturdiness, but it's not super, like, uncomfortable. Like, right now I'm on the floor, Mm -hmm. bent in a weird position, and I feel fine. Yeah. And... I've gotten so many compliments from my students on these. <laughs> and you have middle school students, right? I know. As soon as I started wearing them, and I have these, like, pair of kind of, like, fake, I don't know what kind of brand of shoes those are. Fake Tom's. Yeah. I don't, no, those white shoes, whatever those are. Oh. I, mean, I started wearing these like sneakers. Heads. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, my God, love your outfit. And I was like, I'm wearing the same thing, except I changed my jeans. <laughs> they had a lot to say about me. So. Wow. They're paying attention. I know. Well, which is scary. No, but if you want a beginner straight leg, these are like not super mom genie. Like they're not mm-hmm. super billowy. They're kind of like a mom jean meets a skinny jean somewhere in between. And I think they're pretty flattering. So that's my cool. recommendation. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to tell you about my recommendation. Okay, what is it? I technically already told you about this like two weeks ago because I was so excited. But there's a podcast series. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> called Every Single Album Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is a podcast series within the feed of a show called Ringer Dish, which is kind of just like a celebrity gossipy kind of uh-huh. show, I guess. So you'd have to like search for that show in your podcast app and then look for the episodes that say Every Single Album Taylor Swift. Yeah. So it's hosted by two people. The one is a woman who's a couple young years younger than me, maybe even a year or two younger than you. Okay. She's just a writer. Um, she's like a huge fan of Taylor, like grew up with her, you know, based on her age. And her co-host is this middle-aged man who is in the industry. He's like a songwriter, but he also worked for Live Nation. He's worked for Twitter. Right. And he's also a huge fan of Taylor, but it's so interesting because he can really speak to all the stuff that she's done behind the scenes from like a business perspective. Like from the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So each episode they discuss one of her albums in chronological order. They just came out with a folklore episode. And then by the time this episode of ours comes out, all of them will be out, um, but like I have learned so much like especially <laughs> about her like first two albums I really am not that <clears throat> familiar with. But I first of all I I've discovered that I really just love kind of like music commentary and analysis mm-hmm. especially of pop music. So it's really fun for me to hear what they have to say about the music itself and like the production of it and the way she worked with collaborators. And the songwriting of it and all that stuff. It's also lovely to hear this middle aged man complimenting her, like, (laughs) speak with her, speak of her with such reverence and respect. Yeah. And he also is often the one to bring up the misogyny that she's faced in the industry and stuff, which is really nice. And he also talks about his daughters, and his daughters love Taylor. Yeah. And how he talks to them about her music and how it affects them, even though they're obviously completely different generations. Um, I just I freaking love it. Like I have been a Swifty for like eight years now, and I thought like over the last couple years, I was like deep in it, but I am now <laughs> I am like off the deep end. Like, I don't know if this is just a coping mechanism for me, but I now listen to other Taylor Swift podcasts. I'm finding Taylor Swift reaction videos on YouTube, like I. So we're going to Folklore Fest, right? Oh, I'm t- dude, if I can get my hands on tickets to see her live, like I just started watching the Reputation Stadium Tour on Netflix, and it's truly like making me emotional. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I do there's know what's nothing, wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. She's but, a great musician, and, and this is this is why being a fan of taylor swift is so fun because there's just so much content like not even just with her music but just like when you get into what her music is really saying or all the controversies about her and stuff and that's the other thing in each episode of this series they get into all the like media stuff going on around that time and obviously they're fans they're speaking of her in like a good light but they also talk about some of the controversies and they have some criticisms too. So it's not all just like, Oh my God, she's the best. Even though of course they're like, she's a genius. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm learning so much and I love it. (laughs) I like, I could seriously give even more recommendations. Like, I feel like we need to start a Patreon just so I can talk about Taylor Swift all the time. Like, if anybody wants that, let me up, let me know, or like just DM me and we'll talk about Taylor. Like, seriously, this is my coping mechanism. This is what I'm clinging to. This I love is it. my comfort blanket in my brain. Hey. So yeah, I'm officially crazy. Um, You're full, not crazy. Full Swifty yeah Swift-y. that's not crazy i think it's great to be involved in a fandom as long as it's a healthy fandom and it's not like completely obsessive but i think yeah. um like i said i think I mean, I will go back and forth to Taylor Swift news all the time. So I know. Yeah, thank <laughs> Let's God get Sarah I, I brought you to the dark side. But She just, like, records herself comment- commenting <laughs> on yeah. Taylor Swift controversies, all the secret messages she's been right. sending. Those and what- Easter eggs. Yeah. But also just in general, like, this is a reminder, like, enjoying stuff is fun. Yeah, and another thing too, if you were like me growing up and you think you have to be really cool and like weak, yeah. edgy, and indie, you don't. No. Yeah. Like don't be like, oh, everybody likes that. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, no, make maybe everyone likes it for a reason and you should like dig into it and maybe you can feel the joy that I'm experiencing yeah. right now. And pop music is for entertainment. It doesn't yeah. not every song has to be a requiem. Seriously. So that's Uh-oh. what I'm saying about Vinny's that. About Vinny to is sabotage this the podcast. Hunt. All right, so we should. That's our. That's our. That's queue, our. Guys. Yeah. That's our cue. Okay, so thank you for joining. I hope you loved our cooking. <laughs> I hope. we loved our. I cooking. hope we loved. I hope the pizza was good. Yeah. Um, so if you're loving the podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Every review helps us. Um, and you know, tell your friend. You know, let them know if you're listening and if they if you think they would enjoy it too. Word of mouth is the best way. And please send us your questions and your thoughts on everything we discussed or anything else. Um, you can DM us on Instagram, we're at Passport Pizza Pod, or leave us a voicemail at 717 215 And also, I wanted to point out. Another reason to put us in your phone as a contact, mm. you can also text us at that number. Oh, true. So if you ever have a thought and you're like, oh, I should tell Passports and Pizza about that, and you don't want to leave a voicemail, you don't and feel you like putting up Instagram. And us and DM. Yeah. yeah. Just pull us up in your texting app and send us a little note and we can write back to you. So let me repeat the number again for you as you put it in your contacts. 717-964-0215. And then our show notes with all the links and everything we talked about and all this contact information is available on our website at PassportsAndPizza.com. Yes. And if you want to follow us um, personally, uh, you can follow Sarah at Sarah underscore Cornelius underscore or me at Rome and Go Lightly. And last but not least, a big thank you to Will Gingrich for our theme music. We'll see you next episode. We only have a few episodes left of the season. Yeah. I think we have two. I think more than that. Three? Maybe four. five. We're getting towards the end. Guys, right. yeah. it's, the end is near. Yeah. Enjoy <laughs> us while you can. Yeah. All right. All right. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yum. Uh-oh. Hold on. <laughs> Luke. We forgot Luke was going to come Sorry, Luke. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> with a hubcap oh Oh, that's fun somebody lost that hey is that for my car